Good morning, City Gate. Well, you may all take your seats. I'm just going to move that there because it feels odd having something there. Um, as Pastor Julian said, I have known Pastor Sharon and Julian since I was a small child. I've grown up in church and the church that I was going to with my parents is the church that when you've heard Pastor Julian's story, he was in a big meeting when he gave his life to Jesus and they sort of recommended this local church for him to really get planted in. And that was the church that my family were in. So it's been my absolute honour to be alongside Pastor Julian and Sharon since I was a child. And Gary and I, my husband, um, we've been part of this church pretty much since the beginning. So it is so exciting to be able to speak on this platform this morning. And just to add another level to the story that we've been doing. For those of you who are, maybe you've been in growth track for the past couple of weeks, Maybe you're a visitor here this Sunday. We've been looking in the Bible about a guy called Gideon. He's a guy who lived in those times when the Midianite armies were swarming in every harvest time and destroying every single thing that the, that the Israelites had planted. And they had got to their wits' ends. It had been seven years, and they're like... God, where are you in the midst of all of this? But God had been raising up Gideon. And over the past however many weeks, Pastor Julian's been talking to us about how God chose Gideon because he was a man who was doing something. Do you remember that preach about how God loves it when we just step out, we just do something. We had Pastor Sally talk to us about those insecurities. Do you remember she was saying about, oh, I'm the smallest, I'm the weakest, I'm the least. And she really encouraged us to stand strong in who we are in Christ. We had Pastor Julian talk to us about choosing to live in our freedom, to, to put away those things that are maybe in our past, maybe those false images that we've got, and just to step in to the freedom that God's given us. And, and last week, he was talking to us about how Gideon, he put out that fleece, didn't he? Because if God, if it's you, if you really want me to do this, then please give me a sign. And he talked about how we don't need to do that. We've got the Holy Spirit with us. And I don't know about you, the title of this series has been Born for More. And I'm at the moment, I'm feeling a bit like Gideon must have been feeling. My shoulders are back, my head is high. If I had a cape, it would be blowing in the breeze. Because I know I am born for more. I don't know about you, I think Gideon was probably at this moment feeling quite invincible. He was there, he's got his promise from God. He is ready to go. But as in all great stories, there was a plot twist. I don't know about you, I love movies and I love those plot twists. This is where James Bond is ready to destroy that person, but the baddie's got him and is about to kill him. This is the moment where Black Panther loses a fight. This is the moment where Paddington ends up in prison for a crime he didn't commit. <sighs> These are the plot twists. And actually, Greg, as you said, spoiler alert coming up. Can I just reassure you, Pastor Julian is wrapping up this series. Gideon does get his victory. But today, the bit of the story we're looking at, it's that plot twist. It's that moment when his heart sinks and goes, really? Really, God? And how often in life have we been at that moment? We're feeling invincible. Our cape is flying in the breeze. We're ready to step out in faith. And the unexpected happens. That thing that we just weren't quite prepared for kind of knocks us off course. And we're like, whoa, what just happened? 
So this morning, I want to give you four thoughts, four things that I can see in the life of Gideon that I just hope today will really encourage you because I'm sure as you've been listening to this series unfold, I'm sure there's things God's been speaking to you about, things where he's been saying to you, you are born for more. That situation, you don't have to live in it. That thing that the enemy is stealing from your life, you don't have to live in it. You are born for more. Whatever that thing is that God has been speaking to you, can I encourage you just to hold that in your heart today as I'm talking? And as I come cover these four things, I just think God's going to give you maybe a key or something that will help you as those things in life just try to knock you off course. Is that all right? Before I get into it, I just want to pray. Father, we just thank you for, for Gideon and for the, his story, that you've made it available to us. And as we look at it today, Father, I pray that these keys will just be things that linger with us, that we are able to really run our race right through to the very end when we see your victory in our lives. Amen. So there's Gideon. As I've already explained, the enemy's been coming in. He was feeling the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak, but he was doing something. He was in the wine press threshing wheat. So he was in the wrong place trying to do the harvest, but he was doing something. He, I think something had stirred on the inside of him that was like, I am going to do something. As Pastor June's already shared, the prophet always speaks first before God moves. And a prophet, in the opening scenes of the story, a prophet had come and he'd said to the people of Israel, why are you afraid of their gods? It's almost like a hello, I'm the Lord God Almighty. Why are you afraid of their gods? And I reckon Gideon had grasped hold of that word. And it was that that had encouraged him to step forward and just to do something. The story had moved on and he'd grown from just being him on his own to that place where now he's written letters to some of the tribes and some of the other people in Israel and he had gathered an army. They were all there, 32,000 men. He'd been going from being alone in the wine press to being heading up an army. He was ready to go. He was feeling invincible and it was God that dropped the plot twist. God just turns around to him and goes... Mate, your army's too big. We're going to cull it. 32,000? Nah, I'm going to just take some of these guys away. And I think in that moment, God was trying to do something for Gideon. He wasn't trying to upset Gideon. He wasn't trying to destroy Gideon. He was not setting Gideon up to fail. He was setting Gideon up to win because he knew that there was more. And my first point is that God wants us is it coming up? Because I actually can't remember what my first point is. I know it's about fear, but I can't remember how I said it. God wants us to walk free from fear. I knew it was about fear, but I thought it's going to come up on the screen, so I've got to say it right. God wants us to walk free from fear. You see, Gideon had been on this journey, and he had moved so far. He had come 
with that word of, I don't have to be afraid of those foreign gods. He stepped out. He'd done something. Do you remember he'd gone under the cover of night because he was afraid of his brothers, but he had stepped out and he had gone to take down the altar and to take down the false god. All along this story, you can see this thing of fear that Gideon is coming up against and stepping on and stepping into his destiny. And as we've already heard from our lovely small group leaders, sometimes in life, we have to do things scared. I know it's something that we talk about a lot in Citygate. Just do it scared. But there's a difference between stepping out going, I don't know how this is going to work out, but God, I'm trusting you, to listening to those whispers of fear that come around our lives. And God knew that in those 32,000 men, although there was a great strength in numbers, Actually, there was a real weakness because so many of those men were afraid. God knew that that night before they went into battle, the campfire talk would start. The voice of fear would start. You can't do this. Are you sure? Have you seen them? Are you really? Really? Did God really do this? Do you reckon? Are you sure? What's going to happen? We're going to die. Do you really think this is a good idea? Those whispers of fear kept coming. And God wanted to save Gideon from all of that. So he says to Gideon, just tell them to go. If they are fearful, tell them to go. Because that fear is going to affect you. We had a great staff meeting the other week. And somebody talked to us about how we have to guard our thoughts so often It's maybe not a whole army of people standing against us, whispering fear in our ears. Actually, we do it to ourselves. We allow those voices of fear to come and to whisper, did God really call you? Is his word really true? I know Sally says that what you put in the offering, you'll reap, but really? Are you sure? Have you not seen the size of that bill? I know God says that, you know, healing's yours, but Did you read that doctor's report? Do you know that it's impossible? And these voices of fear, they come around and they whisper around us. And God just wants to say to us, just stop. Send that fear home. Send that fear packing. Send that fear far, far away from you. And in our staff meeting, what we were encouraged to do is just to write out some scriptures and to declare them over our lives every single day. And it's something that I really took on board and I was doing, and I actually shared it in my small group with our small group girls, that we've been taking these verses and we're like, yeah, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The things I put my hand to will prosper. If God is for me, who can be against me? And we start declaring out the things that God has said about us. It silences those voices of fear. So Gideon sends home his, the people that are fearful. And you know what? He's only left with 10,000 men. It's gone from 32,000 down to 10,000. And I don't know how his heart felt when he looked at it. But you know what? These were 10,000 brave warriors. These were 10,000 men who were ready for a fight. I'm reckoning the psychopath from the tavern was in amongst there that was always wanting a fight. I reckon there was the guy that had actually lost everything to the hands of the Midianites who had a real anger issue. He was wanting to be there. He was looking for a fight. But there was also those guys that had heard the promises of old. They'd heard the stories of Abraham. They'd heard the story of Isaac. They knew the story of Jacob. And they were ready to see God do a miracle. So they had no fear. They were ready to go to battle with Gideon. But there's a plot twist. Because God looks at Gideon and goes... 
your army is still too big. There's more that are going to go home. Send them to the river and tell them to have a drink. And I don't know about you, I can just so imagine this. I can imagine 10,000 burly, hyped up, hungry for war men going to that river on a really hot, sunny day in Israel. And some of them, they would come running up to the water. Oh, checked out their reflection in the water and then head first into the water, refreshing their spirit and their soul with that beautiful fresh river water. Others would have come to the river and they would have knelt down and they would have scooped up water and they would have lapped it looking out. These are the guys I'm going to do battle with. These are the guys that I'm going to be standing with as they're drinking that water. And God says to Gideon, it's just the ones that are lapping all the ones that have got their head in the water, all the ones that can only see themselves, all the ones that aren't looking at anybody else, they're the ones you send home, the ones that are looking out, the ones that are looking at their mates, the ones that have got their eyes on others, they're the ones that you take into battle. You see, Gideon had been on a journey. And God, as in all good movie plots, there's a sub-issue going on. He'd started on his own in that wine press. He'd taken a couple of servants with him under cover of night to tear down the altar. But he'd pretty much fought this battle on his own so far. And how often in life do we choose to fight our battles on our own? Tomorrow is a really big day for me. I am running a 10K in London. I am so excited. It is the first race I have ever taken place in. I'll accept that clap. I am feeling pretty proud of myself. I haven't been running for very long. I only started running uh, last October. And at that stage, it was a challenge to run for an entire minute. But I downloaded, a, I downloaded an app. No, I'm serious. I really, I couldn't. I was out with my son and he was like, Mum, race you to the lamppost. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, so I downloaded this app and I was I just like, I'm just going to start doing this. And it's the NHS one. So it gets you to run for a minute. Then you kind of walk for five to recover. Then you have to run for another minute. And then you walk for five to recover, do a whole nother minute. And you just build up from there until you're actually running for 30 minutes. And, uh, and so I was like, right, I'm going to do this. I, so I went out and I brought myself a pair of trainers, told Gary what I was doing. I'm going to do this. But in my running, I only got so far and then I hit a wall. I actually got a really bad injury in my foot to the point where I actually couldn't put my heel down and had to change all of my footwear because I couldn't walk properly for about three weeks and uh, I had to seek help to get my foot sorted out. I also signed up to this 10k and <laughs> realized that's way out of my um, ability league. So I thankfully have got some great friends that have run marathons and so they're just in another league. So I'm like, help, what do I do? And they've been brilliant at giving me advice. My running app on my phone is synced with somebody else's so I know if I don't get out of bed and go for that run, they're going to know all about it. And that accountability has been so great for me. And that just, you know, someone cheering me on. Yesterday, I was getting text messages from people going, oh, you were set for your race. Are you ready? You got everything that you need. I've had someone give me a card encouraging me. Somebody else, as they walked into church today, they're like, are you ready for your 10K? The amount of support and encouragement has been absolutely amazing. Although I have to say, not for, I'm just going to name drop here. My son 
It really hasn't been encouraging at all. See, I, I'm just going to have to go off script for a moment because um, I'm actually running against Mo Farah. He's, he's running the race tomorrow, so I'm going around the house bragging, going, I'm running with Sir Mo Farah. And uh, Nathan, my son, just went, Mum, you're so not. <laughs> there are 10,000 people between when he goes and when you go. <laughs> he's going to finish before you even hit the halfway mark, Mum. It's just really not happening. But I am. I am in the same race as Mo Farah. I am going to get the same goodie bag as Mo Farah. And I am going to get the same winner's medal as Mo Farah. He may well get a trophy as well, and he may or may get the prize money. But I'm still going to get a medal. My point being, though, is that I couldn't have done it on my own. And how often in life do we want to do things on our own? And we back off into our cave. We push everybody away. Because we're in a battle, we're in a fight, and we think we can do it on our own. And I am just as guilty as everybody else in this room of doing this. In running, I learned that I needed people's encouragement to help me. I needed their expertise to help me. I needed their accountability to help me. But in my own life, when I'm hitting the things of God when I'm having to step out and do something scared, how often do I hide in my own cave? I've got the privilege of being a small group leader, and I love praying for other people. I love standing in agreement with other people. And a couple of years back, we were in our small group, and we went around, and we were like, right, so what can we pray for you? Oh, you need this? Great, we'll pray for that. You need that? Brilliant. We, we're going to stand with you for that. Oh, my goodness, that prayer report's come through. That's fantastic. We're so going to rejoice with you. We went around, and one of the really lovely ladies in my small group eyeballed me and went, and what are we praying for you? And, oh, I was so tempted to go, no. going for a biopsy my mum might have lung cancer but you know I'm fine those girls were rock solid and they were my mum's I say my mum's absolutely fine she came through it all great she's been 18 months cancer free it's a real testimony to God but on that journey my instinct was to go no I'm fine it's all good I'll pray for you you don't need to pray for me but really we couldn't have done that journey without the support and the love of the friends that were around us. I really wanted to be there for my mum and to be able to encourage her and to support her. But the reality was she does our childcare two days a week and it was school holiday time. You know, this was just slightly inconvenient being the really selfish daughter. Um, so actually, as well as having this extra stretch on our time because I was there for my mum, but actually... There was so much else that we had to pick up and organise and sort out. So we were stretched on all fronts. But my small group, my friends, I know Pastor Jean and Sharon were so flexible with the hours that I worked and enabled it all to happen. But as we walked through that season, I needed the support of other people. And can I just encourage you today, what is it that you're fighting? What is it that you're facing? Are you hiding in your cave? Or are you allowing other people to come? Those people that are looking out. I'm not talking about telling everybody your stuff. You know, the people that have got their heads in the water looking at their own reflection. They don't need to know your business. They don't need to know your stuff. But there is a strength that comes when we entrust somebody else to help us shoulder the burdens. And there's times in life when we really need to allow others to hold our arms up and to support us and to encourage us. 
Say, if you're not in a small group, I'm just going to go there. Why not? Come on, it takes a while to trust people. I get that. I'm a very private person, but come on, those friends and those people that God places around your life will be the people that you need in those times. And you don't know when those times are going to come up, but also they need you. They need you to be one of the people that shoulder that burden. So don't walk alone. So plot twist time. God's got Gideon's army down from 32,000 to 10,000. Then he got his army down from 10,000 to 300. Man, 300 people. That's all Gideon had, just 300. The odds on this battle have dramatically changed. Gideon's just got 300 people in his army. But can I say, this is where it gets exciting. My third point is that God wants us to walk by faith. You see, I said the odds had shifted. They had so shifted in Gideon's favor because all of a sudden, when it was 32,000 versus the Midianites, well, if they failed, it was down to Gideon for being a bad leader. If they won, well, maybe that's because Gideon was a great leader. But when it's just 300, actually, it's all on God. There is nothing Gideon can do anymore. There is nothing that he can that he can inspire, that he can lead, that he can encourage. He can do that. But come on, with 300, there ain't no battle that he is going to win. He needed God to do a miracle. And I don't know where you are today, but I'm sure there's lots of people in this room that actually the situation you're facing, it is impossible. There is no way that it can happen. But can I say to you, that's when the odds are in your favor. If you have got that conviction on the inside of you that God has told you to go, if you've got that word from him that you know by his stripes you were healed, if you know that as you sow, you will reap and those bills and that debt has got to go in Jesus' name, if you know that God's plan for your marriage is for it to be restored, if you know that you've trained up that child in the way that it should go and it might not look like it today, but you know there's a call of God on your son or on your daughter. If you know what God has called you to do, it doesn't matter how impossible it looks because God has got your back. Suddenly, God's done a plot twist. It is all on him. And you know, I stand here and I look at this building and every time it makes me smile. Gary and I were part of this church, as I said, right from the beginning. We were part of the 40 people that when Pastor Julian said, hey, post office is up for sale, we're going to buy it. And Gary and I looked in and went, okay, because we knew how much money was in our bank accounts. And um, yeah, so how do 40 people buy a building when the developers are putting on offers at a table of millions? Really? How do we do that? Oh, it's a Gideon thing. We were part of Pastor Julian and Sharon's 300. We could not do it in our own strength, but God made the impossible happen, and we got this building. I look at those architects' plans for our next building, and they just make me smile, because do you know what? That's just as impossible as this building, 
but we're all sitting in this building today. We've seen God do it once before, and we know that our God can do it again. And I love that. I so love that. So whatever it is that you're facing today, can I encourage you, look at the things that God's done in the past for you. Look at those victories that you've won in the past. Look at those things God has done for you, because there is a spirit of faith in this house. There is something that Pastor Julian and Sharon carry that is of excellence and is of faith. And you can tap into that, and you can see in your own situations, things turn and things change as God comes in and does just incredible miracles. There's one final plot twist, because actually, as much as God wants you healed, as much as God wants you provided for, as much as God wants you set free, as much as God wants you to step out and be that small group leader or whatever it might be, there's another plot twist. It's not actually about you. I'm sorry to say this, but it's about others. Yes, God did something amazing in Gideon's life, but it wasn't for Gideon. It was for the people of Israel. It was for you and I, that we can read our Bibles and we can hear about the great things God did in Gideon's life. And that gives us faith that God will do it in our lives. And the things that God's doing in our lives is so that other people can see it and they can give glory to God as they see what God does in our lives, knowing that it was impossible. I'm actually going to read what I told the media guys, just fling verses up as I kind of almost get to them. Um, but this one I'm actually going to read. This, I'm going to the 2 Corinthians verse. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. Our, letter, our lives are a letter from God to our friends, to our families, to our work colleagues, to our neighbours, to the people that we meet. As they see what God's done in our lives, it draws them closer to God. One of my friends put on Facebook a while back, she's a single mummy, three kids. She was so stressed out and she just put on Facebook, oh, I'm looking at meditation. I know some of you have heard this story before. I'm looking at meditation. Does anybody meditate and can point me in the right direction? So I jumped on Facebook and I'm like, yeah, I meditate every day. Um, I found it really gives me amazing peace. So she came back with, well, um, so... What, what meditation do you do? What's it called? How, like, where can I Google it kind of thing? I say, like, oh, it's a really ancient meditation. How about we do coffee and I'll tell you all about it. So we went for coffee and we did all the chit-chat, you know, how's your son, how's your daughter, how's... But you could see she was just desperate to ask, what is it that you do? What is it that you do? So I just said to her, you know I'm a Christian. I said, I pray. All meditation means is to repeat, to mumble, to mutter, to dwell on, to think about. I said, I'll take a Bible verse, a promise from God, and I will use that in my life, and I will, I'll apply it to my life, but then I'll also pray. I'll be talking to God about that thing. And, and I just started sharing with her stories and things that have happened in my life. There was a time once when um, Gary didn't come home. I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was no Gary, and I was freaked to be completely honest. Talk about fear thoughts. I even went to the point of, at what point do I phone Pastor Julian and Sharon and ask them to raise him from the dead? You know, my thoughts went there, okay? This is like three o'clock in the morning. But I prayed and I just said, okay, God, if something terrible has happened, I need to sleep because I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with tomorrow. 
And if he's fine, actually, I need to sleep because I've got to go to work tomorrow. And I rolled over and I went to sleep. And I'd say to God, I don't want, I'm not dealing with this until 6.30 tomorrow morning. And uh, I literally woke up at 6.29 and Gary knocking on the door. But, you know, God in that moment gave me such peace that in the midst of, oh, my goodness, my husband might be dead. So, yes, I'm just going to go to sleep because it's in God's hands. And as I told her that story, she was so challenged. And she just asked question after question. I had the amazing honor of being able to pray with her. This girl that knew thought that she knew what Christianity was about. Suddenly, I was able to show her what God has done in my life. And all those preconceived ideas that she had about Christianity, suddenly they were out the window as she heard how God was moving in my life. And can I just say to you today, you are born for more. God wants to change the situation that you're in. God wants you to win the battle that you're fighting. God wants you to step out. Even if you're doing it scared, he's with you. And he wants to see your circumstances change. But he also wants you to do it because your life will speak volumes to the people that he's surrounded you with. They're not going to read their Bibles, but they're reading your life. And today, I just really want to encourage you. God's got your back. It doesn't matter. You... You've got everything that you need. So don't let fear come around your life. Don't do it on your own. Choose to let other people run this race with you. Walk by faith, but let others see what God's doing in your life. Is that okay? Can I pray for us? because I'm in the same situation as you. There's things that I'm stepping out in. There's things that I know God's speaking to me about. So I kind of want to pray for myself. And I'm guessing there's other people in this room. I just want to pray for all of you and all of us together that as Pastor Julian wraps up this series next week, but we all know that we're born for more. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for Gideon's life. We thank you that it's, it's an example to us. It shows us how you can just come through all of the plot twists and all of the turns of life, but you can come right into the midst of that and you can turn a situation around. And Father, today we humbly give you our lives. We humbly just come before you and say, God, we totally know we can't do this in our own strength. We totally know that we can't change our circumstances and we can't change our situations, but we can trust you and we can step out and we can do it scared and we can do the things that you've asked us to. But Father, we just thank you that you've got our backs and we just ask you the same way that you were with Gideon, that you be with us and just let us know that we are born for more and that we will see victory in the situations that we face. Amen. And can I also just say, I know we've got some visitors here today and we've got some people that actually have been coming to church for ages with people, with friends, but maybe you don't actually know God for yourself. Maybe as you've heard me talking about this great God that's going to help you, you're like, well, he ain't done much to help me so far. But you've been watching your friends' lives. You've been watching your family's life. You've been watching whoever it was that brought you here today and invited you here today. And there's just something that's made you kind of go, I want that. I want that. I want to know more. I want to know more about this God that that can just change lives like that. I, I want to know that I'm born for more than just the craziness of my life that I'm in at the moment. If that's you today, I would be so honoured if I could pray with you in the same way that I prayed for my friend. 
It's not going to be an overcomplicated prayer. You've heard me talk for the last half an hour. I'm not an overly complicated person. But I want to pray for you today. And I want to, I want to invite Jesus to come into your life, to invade your normality, and to let you see him at work in your life. If you'd like me to include you in that prayer, can I just ask that you lift your hands? Everybody else, just can you just put your heads down so no one, no one feels they're being watched? If you want me to pray that prayer with you today, can I just ask that you lift your hand so that I know who it is that I'm praying for? I'm going to pray that God will show himself strong on your behalf. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, is there anybody else? I'm praying for a couple of people. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. I'm going to thank Jesus. Because do you know what? He's the one that made it all possible. We can't do any of this on our own strength. As Gideon couldn't lead that army on his own. So actually, we can't have a relationship with God on our own. But Jesus came and he died on that cross so that we could have a relationship with him. And that might not make a lot of sense to you right now, but I'm going to thank Jesus for what he did. I'm going to say that we're sorry for the times when we've done things our own way, because let's face it, we all have our own agendas. And I'm going to ask God to come into our lives. So I'm going to say a sentence. That's all I'm going to be praying. I just want to be really open and honest with you so you know where this prayer is going. If you feel comfortable, as I say a line, I'm going to ask you and the whole church is going to be with you just to repeat it back. God's going to hear you. We're just going to ask God to do something amazing in your life today. So, Father God, we just, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us. We're sorry for all the things that we've done wrong. We say, please come into our lives and just change it. Help me to follow you. Amen. Come on, church. Would you all stand? Let's give God a great round of applause.